Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. So Abby and me, we decide that um, she, she continues to run for track like all winter long, and, and I go out and run usually, but I was actually thinking about taking a day off yesterday. Um, but she's like, Dad, let's, let me get my run in today. So I was like, okay, we'll go run. And so what we did is we went over to my old, my old elementary school. And it's funny because uh, it brings back memories of like all the ways that I, I was super anxious back in the day. I'm one of those guys, I don't know about you, but when your head hits the pillow, any of you guys uh, just start thinking all the weirdest thoughts possible and and then like you stay awake. That was what I was growing up. And I remember specifically, so we were by the elementary school and I pointed out to her where my kindergarten class was. And I remember my, when my dad used to tell me about like him in elementary school and I was like, that's so long ago. I can't even, I can't even imagine that long ago. So I asked her last night, like, does it seem like it was a really long time ago when I talk about kindergarten? She's like, yeah. I'm like, it doesn't to me. It feels like it was a really short time ago. And so we're there and, and I show her that and then I was thinking about when I was in kindergarten, the first day before, the night before kindergarten started, I remember laying awake in, in my bed at night, probably laid awake for like two hours. That's what I usually did back then. I was such a worry wart. And I remember thinking, what if I get off the bus at school and I don't know how to get to my classroom? And I just stand outside all day long until the, the end of the school day. And nobody does anything to help me. Like I'm this little tiny, what if they don't see me? I had real worries. And, and the those worries did not stop very, very early. Like sixth grade, I remember the night before sixth grade. Very specific memory when I was laying in bed at night. I was worrying about, it was the first year that we were going to get lockers in sixth grade. And I was super excited. But then the night before, I was starting to get nervous. I'm like, what if somebody stuffs me in that thing tomorrow? Like, I, <laughs> I know I can fit in it. They were small lockers, but I was really tiny. And so I'd, I'd lay awake worrying about that. And then... Um, all throughout elementary school, they, I've mentioned this before, they do this thing where they scare you like crazy that your house is going to burn down. And they're like, you need to have a plan with your family if your house burns down. And see, during the day, I don't like thinking about things that make me sad and scared. And so I never went to mom and dad and was like, hey, we need to have a plan. But then when my head hit the pillow at night, it was like, oh my goodness, we don't have a plan. I'm... If the house burns down, even if I get out, I'm going to go outside and I'm not going to find my family and I'm going to go back in and I'm going to die because I don't know where they are. And then I would start to be like, man, I'm not even going to be able to wake up because I can't wake up to an alarm clock. You see the cycle of awful thoughts that just happen? And so um, it even happens when I'm an adult. When I was a basketball coach, I would go to bed at night after a loss and I would replay every single play that went on during the game that I could have done better as a coach and we could have maybe won the game. To the point that I just started watching shows and falling asleep out on the couch when, when, a, when we'd lose a game. And even to this day, there's a lot of nights where I just know, okay, my brain is active right now. And so I put on a podcast and I just try to listen to that so that I don't let my thoughts turn on. And some of you are like, you know, I just pray. I'm like, hey, when I pray, sometimes the bad thoughts keep coming. So sometimes I go to the podcast, okay? Um, but no lie, our thoughts, they can be a fountain of blessing and peace or they can be a pit of endless anxious despair. And I think too oftentimes that is where our thoughts are. That's this pit of endless anxious despair. 
Seems like there's not always a whole lot of in-between for those two things. It's one or the other. And it can go back and forth. You never know when the, the anxious thoughts are going to come and, and you've got no peace. And then sometimes you're like, oh, things are all good. It's just like you don't know when it's going to happen. So today, like I talked about, we're going to be talking about Jesus as the Prince of Peace. We're going to explore a little bit of what that means for us. And, and last week, I think Jake did a really good job coming here and talking about our burdens and giving our burdens over to God. Um, and I think some of us, we, this basket right here is where you guys, uh, a lot of you, wrote down a burden and you put it in this basket. And actually as a staff, at our staff meeting on Tuesday, we were praying over these burdens that we as a church have. Um, and it, I think it's, it's a great thing for us sometimes to do something like that and we maybe walk out a little bit lighter, but sometimes um, that burden comes back. And we need to have this peace of God that comes with us. And if, if we don't have the peace of God over these burdens, does that mean that Jesus is not really worthy of the title of Prince of Peace? What does that mean for us if I'm struggling to understand this peace that he has to give? And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at Philippians chapter 4. Because I think that the practical advice that Paul gives in Philippians chapter 4 is phenomenal. The practical advice that he gives for us to have peace. So... I'm going to read this, uh, Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all the Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. I want to say that I worked on the word admirable a bunch. I always say admirable. Anybody else say admirable? I'm sorry. That's just one of those weird things that I do. I wanted to really make it, say it the right way there. But So I want to say, what are the highlights that I see in this passage? I see rejoicing, gentleness, prayer, thanksgiving, excellent thoughts, and then put it all into practice. And then it says at the end, and the God of peace will be with you. This passage, I think, is one of the most practical passages in the entire New Testament. Uh, it seems like Paul is saying here that uh, there is a tangible way for you to find peace in your life. Here's what it looks like. But I actually want to take a look at the, at the few passages right before this. Because Paul says something in, the, in the, the verses, two verses right before this, that give more context to what he's actually saying here in Philippians chapter 4. He says in verses 2 and 3, I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. So, here's what's happening. There is like an elephant in the room in this Philippian church. As this letter is being read to the Philippian church, none of them want to look over at Eutyche, at, at Euodia and Syntyche, because what's going on with them is they are in a fight. We don't know what the fight is. We just know that these two women, they are bickering with each other. 
and it's not pretty. And so as this letter is getting read in the, in the Philippian church, you can imagine, you've been in that spot before where two people are being called out in a room, and you don't want to look them in the eye because it's like really awkward. That's what's happening here in this passage. There is a disunity that's taking place with these two women. Just imagine that discomfort that these people are feeling in this room. What I love about it is Paul doesn't care about the awkward. He just comes right out and he, he brings it to the light. See, I think we mistakenly feel like ah, peace is going to come my way if everything is just easy and calm. But peace is actually found in unity. Peace is actually found in unity, unity with people and with God. It's not found in all of the things in my life going really easy and being, being calm and nothing, nothing bad is happening. Peace is really found in the unity that we have with people and with God. Peace never exists. Think about it. Do you actually experience peace if you've got relationships in your life that, where there's disunity? I'm telling you, there is, there is no way in any day of my life where if I felt like there was, like my wife was mad at me for something, I have never felt like I, I was at peace. When, when there is this discomfort or disunity between her and I, it is, it is hard to feel peace in my soul. So Jesus, being called the Prince of Peace, I think it's really important for us to understand this. Jesus is the Prince of Peace primarily because he brings peace between us and the King of Kings. He brings peace between us and God. That is, that is the, 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 the real root of why Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. Now, does Jesus bring peace to my heart? Yes. Does he bring peace in, in kind of everyday situations? I think that, that definitely happens. But we simply will not know what peace is in our lives if we don't understand what that peace looks like, me, me between God and me between other people. That is, that is the lasting ticket to finding peace. And so I think this, this practical set of to-dos that we're looking at today, it really brings to light uh, Everything that Paul is trying to tell us, trying to help us to understand, here's what you do. There's actually, you know, sometimes we, we, focus, we focus a lot on the gospel here. Here's what Jesus did for you. But there are times where we feel a, a lack of peace in our lives. And you know what? Sometimes it's because we need to actually step up and do something a little different. Our, our train of thinking has gotten into a bad place. And we're not letting ourselves get in the right place with God. And so that's a little bit of the practical stuff that Paul's talking about. Um, I don't think that, that God's job is to always change our circumstances to make us feel peace because of the circumstances going around us. Relationships matter so much more than circumstances. In fact, relationships carry us through bad circumstances. Good circumstances can only put band-aids on bad relationships. You understand what I'm saying there? I can go through really bad circumstances, but as long as I've got good relationships around me, things are probably going to feel fairly peaceful. But I can be in really good circumstances. But if my relationships are messed up and there's disunity there, peace is going to be really hard to come by. All you got to do is look at a lot of celebrities. They've got all the circumstances you would want, except something's wrong with the relationship thing. Now with that, I would say this. You can't always, you can't always make a relationship work. Uh, takes two to tango. And so sometimes relationships, there is going to be disunity. But even in those situations, in bad relationships, 
it's still ultimately another relationship that can, that can give us peace in those situations. That relationship that we have with God is the thing that can get us to a place where we need to be when relationships around us are not going well. So, let's dig in a little bit here to what Paul is saying, all this practical stuff that he's saying. And, and again, a lot of this, it comes back to unity. If you're struggling to find peace in your life, understand that maybe it's a little bit more because of the disunity going around you with people and with God more so than it is all these awful situations that you see happen in your life. So the first thing that Paul is telling the church in Philippi is this. And, and I think he's saying the same thing to us. He says, find your joy in the right place. It's a really good practical thing for us. Verse 4, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. I think part of the reason that we don't always have a whole lot of peace is because of this right here. We don't find our peace in Jesus first and foremost. Anything short of that is going to probably set you up for some frustration in your life. So I want you to ask yourself this. What is my greatest joy? What is the thing that when push comes to shove, that is the thing that I find joy in? Some people, we find our joy in always being seen as being right. Some of us, we find our joy in seeing, people seeing me as being successful, me being great at my job, me being a great mom, me being a great dad, uh, me be, doing great in my schoolwork. We find all these things that become the thing that we find our most joy in. But the problem is, is when that gets taken away, what's left? You know, we can have real joy in Jesus who gives us peace. Um, and I love, I love the fact that our joy in Christ, our ability to find unity with people around us, it doesn't mean that we actually have to change the way we think to think just like other people do. But it means that we, have to, we change the way that we think about or talk about people or treat others who think differently than we do. Me having joy doesn't mean that I have to just become like everybody else. And I got this friend named David Hurtwick that uh, he just had, I, I listened to his sermon almost every Monday morning on my run. And he just happened to preach on this exact same passage two weeks ago. And so I was able to steal some stuff from him. And one of the things that he said was, I thought was so good. He said, tolerance is not about drawing a bigger circle. It's about how you think, talk, and treat those outside of that circle. Tolerance isn't about drawing this huge circle. Like I'm going to just believe everything everybody else believes. But it's, it's, it's okay to have, here's, here's what I believe is right. But I'm going to love the people outside of that circle just as if they were in the circle. Our society has tolerance all wrong. None of us are going to believe the same things as everybody 100% of the time. But we can treat people outside of that net of convictions with true care, with true compassion and love. Why do I say all that? Because you will not have peace in your life if your greatest joy is found in something that puts you at odds with other people. Something that we've been talking about a little bit, but if, if you just feel this need, your joy comes in you being right all the time. And what's going to happen is you're only going to find peace when those people outside of your, your circle, you tell them how it is, and they see, they, you just make your point clear, and that you're always right. That's, that's not the way to true joy. The way to true joy is finding your peace in Jesus, finding your joy in Jesus, and realizing that the one thing that Jesus cares about more than anything else is he cares about these people who don't know Jesus. And so I think when we start to look at that 
a little bit differently. When we find our joy in Jesus, all of a sudden, our relationships start to look a little different in our lives. We find peace in our relationships, not by always being right, but by just loving people the way that Jesus would. All right, so here's the second practical point to find a peace that Paul talks about. He says, uh, be reasonable. Be reasonable. There's a lot of really unreasonable people out there. And where am I getting this from? It's from verse 5. It says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Now, how do I equate gentleness with being reasonable? Well, the Greek word here is epiakase. I kind of said it right. Epiakase. And what it really means is it means to be fair or to be mild, to be gentle, to be reasonable. And don't we just, don't we live in a culture now where you just see people become unreasonable all the time? I am astounded at the things that we become unreasonable with. I say it all the time. When I'm driving a car, I can become really unreasonable. I hate people sometimes when I'm driving a car. It's ridiculous. I see kids on a playground. You know, we go to, we go to Wilson Elementary on Wednesdays, and we, we let them go out on the playground sometimes. And it's amazing how quickly a kid can become unreasonable to the point that they won't even listen to you. And it's really interesting when they choose to stop listening and they think that they're right completely and they yell back at you as an adult and they become completely unreasonable. And you look at them and you're like, you're, you're not at peace. <laughs> like, there's no peace there. When we become unreasonable, that is, that is a surefire way to us losing every bit of the peace that, that we would be aiming for. Here's the problem. It's not just adults. It's not just kids who lose their, their heads at times. Actually, it says in 2 Timothy 4, 5, Paul says, But you, keep your head in all situations. That's a hard one to listen to sometimes. It's hard to read that in Scripture because I'm like, yeah, that's not me. I don't keep my head in all situations. At least one time a day I freak out. I, I kind of hope you do too. It would make me feel better about myself. Don't, don't freak out, okay? But we don't keep our heads very well. We struggle at that. Even as an adult, uh, we struggle to be reasonable. And it, it takes us down an unreasonable path where we lose peace. There's a guy named Rich Velotis that says, In a world torn by rage and anxiety, one of the greatest gifts followers of Jesus are called to offer is simple, calm presence. Not a presence removed from this reality, but a presence that refuses to be shaped by it. And I'm telling you, it's not just a gift of, to have peace because you find Jesus in your life. We are also called to be gift givers of peace. As people who follow Jesus, who understand this this God that we call the Prince of Peace, we should be giving out the gift of peace as well. People should be able to experience this calm kind of presence when they're around us. Because you know what? There's a lot of people that in their homes, in their places of work, they don't experience peace. Man, it would be awesome if we could be those kinds of people that when people are around us, they take a a deep breath. They're like, ah, that feels better. Here's Paul's practical guidance to peace, part three. Remind each other about true perspective. As believers, let's remind each other about what true perspective is. It says in in the the second part of verse five, he says, the Lord is near. Now, I think what he means here, it's it's, it's two ways. The Lord is both near in terms of he's, he's here with us, but also his return is near. There is an eternity, we talked about this a few weeks back, there is an eternity that we have with Jesus that's coming. 
And if we can keep perspective on that, man, it's so much easier for us to stay at peace. I'm not great at, at being an odds maker, and I have not done a poll on this, but my guess is that 88% of the things that we worry about, we're not going to be worrying about two years from now. I pulled that out of thin air. There is, like, no scientific backing to that. But I think, if you think about it, the things that you struggled with two years ago, you're probably not all that worried about a lot of it right now. Perspective is a, is a beautiful gift for people who follow Jesus. Perspective of eternity. I want you to, to listen to this. Uh, there's a lady named Brianna Lambert. She works with GC Discipleship. She said something that was, I thought, really, really powerful. She said, the next time that you see two Christians who can't seem, seem to see eye to eye on social media, imagine their future. Imagine them embracing in perfect humility, reunited in a scene to rival Joseph and his brothers. Imagine the tears that fall as each one feels genuine repentance for whatever assumptions, carelessness, and short-sightedness pass between them. Have you looked ahead toward this day? Have you imagined it for yourself when your own blinders, preconceived notions, and pride will truly be gone? When we look toward this future, our hearts soften in the present. It eases our wounds as we put our slights and even our deep cuts into the hands of, the, of our Redeemer. We are able to wait for, one, for the day when justice will be done and we will join with the pure, spotless bride of Christ in true unity. I'll tell you what, I really like that. There was a time, um, it's probably been a time in many of your lives as well, where a Christian hurt me. And I'm telling you, if the hurt is bad enough, sometimes the thought starts going in your head like, maybe they're not going to heaven. Maybe they're just that bad. But then I would start to retrain my thinking going, you know what? For all the faults that that person has, I know that, I know that deep down they, they have a relationship with Jesus. We all mess up. They have a relationship with Jesus. Guess what? I'm going to be in heaven one day with that person. It changes the perspective on how you're going to treat and talk about that person, how you're going to think about that person. It's a, hard place to, it's a hard place to get your brain to sometimes, but I think it's a really, really good thing. And now, maybe our fights, maybe our, our lack of peace is with people who don't know Jesus. Here's the thing. The thinking should be almost just the same, but man, I hope one day that person can be in heaven with me. Think about how that would change the way that you would think about that person, the peace that would, that would well up in you in your thoughts towards that person. Jesus gives us perspective when it comes to our relationships. Here's the fourth practical guidance to peace that Paul gives. And it's this, it's pray. Pray about everything. It's, this is what he says in verses 6 and 7. It is challenging. He says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. He makes it sound really simple, doesn't he? Like, Paul, you make it sound so easy that we're just supposed to pray about everything. And the reason is, is because it should be that simple. We should train our minds to get to that place where, especially when, when we're lacking that, that moment of peace, we train our minds to pray rather than do other things that don't work out as well. Think about this. Some general rules that are good to follow. Pray about things more than you complain about things. Pray about it more than you gossip about it. Pray about it more than you debate or argue about it. Pray about it more than you post about it on social media. Pray about it more than you worry about it. See, the truth is, is a lot of times we give our anxiety and our, and our, our worries to one of three areas. We either hold it in, 
which growing up, that, I was really good at that. Just held everything in. Didn't realize I was an anxious, crazy person until I was older. It's not a healthy thing. Or we give it over to somebody else, which oftentimes is not a healthy thing because when we do that, a lot of times it's, it's with the wrong attitude, unless we're maybe in a therapist's room uh, giving out our anxieties. Otherwise, it's probably a little bit unhealthy. Or we give it over to Jesus. It's only going to be one of those three areas that we give over our, our worries, our lack of peace. I don't think that we can expect to have a healthy dose of peace in our lives if prayer is not a regular part of each and every one of our daily existence. Prayer really needs to, to enter in there somewhere. And making that part of, of your life a regular thing, it shouldn't just happen when everything goes bad, when, when stuff hits the fan. Like, there should be uh, this regular thing that we're going to God no matter whether it's a good day or a bad day. And when that happens, we're in that, we're in that habit when things get difficult. If you're like me, you realize that there's like two or three things every day that you need to pray about the most in order for you to find peace with God. Two or three things maybe that you struggle with the most and you pray about it over and over and over again. That's good. Pray about it. We need to learn how to give these things over to Jesus. And then we get the, to the fifth thing that Paul says. Again, five really, really practical things. Last one he says is this. Pay close attention to your thought life. Pay close attention. Now this one is a really good one. Maybe one of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Those are the things that you should think about. The mind is a really awful and crazy place, isn't it? Man, we make up stories. We make up so many stories and we tell ourselves these stories until we actually get to the point where we believe them. We lie to ourselves and we, we've got these worries and, and all of a sudden we've, we've gotten to the point that we believe them. And it's a scary place. Mind is often the source of broken unity. In fact, my friend David, he put it this way. Any loss of unity usually happens between your ears well before it happens between you and someone else. Most of the, the lack of peace that we have relationally with people or with God, it's up here. It's, it's the wrong thought, thought processes. Not sure about you, but I have, over the course of my life, I have read into people's actions. I've made narratives about what people do and why they do it. And you know, when I read into people's motives, my natural tendency is to put something negative into their motive. It's never, I don't never see people doing stuff and be like, oh, they must be doing that in a nice way for me. It's always negative. When I see, when I see a couple of teenage girls like whispering to each other, I never think, oh, they're really good friends and they like to just chat with each other. I think, they must be talking about how ugly my outfit is. Right? When, when my wife is not talkative later in the day, I never just think naturally like, oh, it must have been a long day and she's tired and just kind of done with the day. I think, what stupid thing did I do and she's waiting for me to figure it out? Like, I put negative things into people's motives all the time. And Paul's telling us that's the exact opposite of what we're supposed to do. Our minds naturally tend to go to the negative. And so Paul's telling us to kind of mind our minds. Think about what it is that you're actually thinking about. How you're thinking about it. 
Peace goes away when unity with other people goes away. And most often, it goes away because we've let our minds go to a place that it did not need to go. How many times have you gotten into a fight with somebody because both of you were thinking negative motives towards each other and both of you really just wanted to be friends? It's crazy what we do. But I want you to realize this. You get to think about what you want to think about. I think that's what Paul's trying to say here. You have the right and the option to be able to think about what you want to think about. You don't have to let those negative thoughts take over time and time and time again. You naturally, maybe you lean towards thinking totally negative thoughts, the most negative things that you possibly conceive of. It's like when, I hit, when my head hits the pillow at night. Sometimes it's the one time where the negative thoughts go. For some reason, when I get in the shower sometimes, that is a place where negative thoughts go. I don't know why. Think of, think of peace that could reign in your heart if you let your mind think about good things. If you let your mind think about the good, good things about God and his intentions for your life. I think you, we could experience a unity with Jesus that we've never experienced before. Think about the, the, the way that good things could reign in your heart and mind if you would think good thoughts about the people around you rather than putting every negative motive on them. Don't you think that peace could take over you if you just chose to think a little better? Man, I, this is one of those sermons that's a little different for me because I like, to, I like to put everything on Jesus and be like, Jesus gives us all the grace and the love and we just have to accept that and we'll figure out how to live the way he wants us to. But there is actually something to be said what Paul's saying here. We need to get, we need to get a hold of our minds. Some of us, we let our minds continue to just go in this awful cycle and goes over and over and over again. Think about what is true. Think about what is pure. Think about what is lovely. That's a totally different thing than what goes through my mind a lot of days. So today, what I want to do is I want to, we're going to kind of make a response to what we did last week. Last week, you took these cards right here and we had you put down a burden that you have. Put it in the basket on your way out. You know, I think there's something really valuable in that. It's, it's kind of, it's an act of laying down your burden. I'm going to write this out. I'm going to lay it down. I'm going to trust God to do this. I know that the, you know, the staff's going to pray for me, all this stuff. That's good. Um, but today, I, I want us to take a step in kind of what this final piece of Paul's guidance is. Thinking the right thoughts about people. Thinking the right thoughts about God. So often our lack of peace, it stems from a lost unity with God and, and with people. Maybe you come in here this morning and you're like, I, I'm struggling, I don't feel at peace. And if you really take a look at it, I would, I would bet that, yeah, you might have a lot of circumstances, you might have financial difficulties, you might have all these things. But my guess is there's a relationship that's not quite where it needs to be. I've seen people go through financial hardship, but the relationship with God is tight and there's peace. I've seen people go through loss of loved ones. But that unity with Christ is there and there's a, there's a peace that, it, like the Bible says, it transcends all understanding. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.